0: And if you also want to turn to another passage, you can turn to John chapter 1. But we're going to look a lot at Genesis this morning. You can follow along today with the uh, scripture points and the messages today along on the U Version Bible app as we go. So as you're finding the most difficult passage to find, Genesis 1. You can laugh, that's a joke. If I'd have said Habakkuk 14, you'd still be looking and being like, I didn't know there was Habakkuk. I want to mention to you, it was in the video announcements, but want to make sure you know that you are invited. We want you to come out this Friday night. We've not done a July 4th weekend event ever before, but we we wanted to try it this year. And so Friday night at 7.30 in the five acres behind the Life Center, we're going to have free hamburgers, hot dogs, outdoor movie, bring a lawn chair. We're going to have fireworks at the end of the night. Some games out there. So it's going to be a great time. And this is one of those events that if there's somebody that you've been thinking about inviting to our church that might not come on a Sunday morning, this is a good event to get them to to get them to meet us and, and just know how friendly we are and what a great place this is, right? Amen. Amen. Our Seek Week team, our youth movement students, they're coming back today. We sent them off last Sunday, and they've had a great week of ministry. They'll be coming back sometime This evening and two weeks from today on July the 11th. They're going to take the service that morning, lead worship and share testimonies and stories about uh, that week. So let's look together this morning at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 26, but between verse 5 and verse 26... We have day two, God creates the atmosphere in the sky. Day three, the land, the seas, the trees, the plants. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, the fish and the birds. And then we get to day six, land animals and man. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God saw all that He made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, let's fast forward to John chapter 1 and see if any of this kind of sounds like Genesis chapter 1. John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of Of all mankind. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? This morning we're beginning a new message series called Name Calling Understanding Who God Is for You. And we're starting today with the first name, Elohim, the strong creator God. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you have left us your word. God, we thank you for what you say to us through it. I pray that you would anoint me and help me to be able to deliver it in a way today that is theologically sound and correct and will find deep root and lasting fruit in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In business circles today, especially in marketing and advertising, branding has become a buzzword. Branding defined is the promotion of a particular product or company by means of advertising or distinctive design. You know, this business will pour millions of dollars into branding every year in the hopes of convincing you, the consumer, that their products and services are valuable. So let's do a little branding uh, quiz this morning. I'm going to show you some brands and see if you recognize These brands, no doubt, you'll get all these right. Here's the first one. You know that to be what? That's Apple. And when you see that brand, you immediately think effective, creative, cutting-edge electronic devices. Look at this one. You know that brand is Nike. You know that those are high-quality sports apparel. You probably think of shoes. I think of the greatest basketball player ever to live Michael Jordan, nobody else, and what's, that's, that's probably not as spiritual as I just tried to make it to be. Um, you see, I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm, I'm from the old school. Uh, and Nike's slogan is what, y'all? Just do it. You know it because you know the brand. We can't talk about brands without talking about this brand. When you see this brand, you think about excellent customer service. You think, uh, delicious fast food. You think about a Christian-based company who stands up for what they believe in. And, and so I don't cause a riot in the house of God today. I put both these brands on the same page. So we'll just put both of these up here. And whichever one you drive, we'll call it the strongest, most dependable, long-lasting truck on the market today. All right. So everybody is taken care of with that. In 2015, our church went through a branding process, and we branded ourselves, and you're familiar with this brand. This is our brand, and we created this uh, slogan, Welcome Home. I like to say, and I don't back down from it, that we were the only people I'd ever heard of who were saying Welcome Home, and then everybody started saying Welcome Home. So I told Josh, man, we could have been multimillionaires if we'd have just uh, taken that thing and branded it ourselves. But over the last six years, that Phrase welcome home has become a part of the DNA of our church right? Uh, Many of you are here and and many people are part of our church family because they hit the doors on this place and they know and they sense this is a welcoming safe and, and great environment and place to be in. But the ultimate goal of any brand is that you, the consumer, that me, the consumer, link high quality and a positive association with that name, that product, or that brand. Ultimately, because your brand is your identity, it's your reputation, it's the perception that others have about you. In other words, your name matters. It matters so much that men and women and companies will actually trademark their names and register their their names, their logos, and their brands to prevent unauthorized use of them. So as we begin this new series called Name Calling, understanding who God is for you, we're going to get to know God through the discovery of His names. And there are many, and we won't be able to hit them all. But we're going to choose some of the high points over the next several weeks. And we're going to find out something. We're going to find out that God has branded His names. His names aren't merely words. Rather, a substance lies behind each word. Attached to each name of God is a set of characteristics and qualities and promises and meanings And unless you and I know and fully understand these things, we'll run the risk of of not accessing and utilizing them the way God has designed. So let me give a disclaimer this morning. Certainly in one message or a series of messages or if we decided to spend five years on this, we still won't scratch the surface to be able to describe how big, awesome, and great our amazing God is. Amen? And I'll probably say this already later in the message, but I want to tell you, I don't want to serve a God that I can understand. I don't want to serve a God that I can put in a box. I want a God that's above me and beyond me. Anybody else? So today, we're going to start with the first name of God. And this is His introductory name, the first name that we find in Scripture. In Genesis 1 and 1, we see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That first name we're going to look at today is the name Elohim. When you see God right there in the as the fourth word in all scripture, the Hebrews would have written that in their language as Elohim. You see, when you and I are reading our Bible, especially the Old Testament, we'll see God in many places, and we'll see Lord in small letters, in all caps. And that word certainly describes the one, true, only living God. But when you dig deeper into the Scriptures, you'll find out that the Hebrews use specific words to describe the nature and actions of God. That name Elohim, the first two letters, L, mean the strong one. So each time you see the word God in Genesis 1 through the beginning of chapter 2, every time you read God, you're referring, the the, the, the scripture is referring to Elohim, the strong creator God. That form of the word, of, of the name God, comes over 2,500 times. In the Old Testament, I'm going to use several resources throughout this series, but today I'm using uh, quite a bit from a book by Tony Evans called The Power of God's Names. And I want you to hear what Dr. Evans says about this introduction that God makes of Himself. He says that one line at the beginning of time reveals a deep character quality of God, Creator. It's God's introduction. His prelude. It's the first impression of himself that he offers to his creation. In essence, God says, hello, I am Elohim. Do you like that? Well, that's good. And by identifying God as the creator, what was happening is the Hebrews were making a crucial distinction between the God of Israel and the God of Israel. God's, little g, of other nations. Because all throughout the Old Testament, they had to talk about their God, big G. And that's the reason why there's so many distinctive names for God. Because they were trying to show all those nations around them who had other little g gods how great and personal and specific their God is. So in Genesis 1-1, we get our first impression of God, How many of you would say that first impressions are lasting impressions? Don't first impressions mean something? You probably remember the first time you met your spouse or your, your in-laws or a certain person and that connection that you have with them. So let's ask this question today. Why did God choose to introduce himself to us and say, Hello, I am Elohim, the strong creator God. One of the primary reasons could be that he wants us to recognize that he is transcendent. That's the first thing I want you to understand today about Elohim. He is transcendent, which means he is distinct from his creation. See, God isn't blended or integrated into his creation. God is not a tree. God is not a lake. God is not the mountains. God is not an eagle, as beautiful and amazing as those are, he is distinct from his creation. Watch this, because God existed before his creation. Genesis one one says, "In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth." So logic says, which I mean, logic is out to lunch in our nation right now. Anybody agree? Common sense is is taking you know an exit. Uh, I, I last last week. Um, Brad quoted Rick and Bubba, and I'll quote Rick and Bubba, too, when they say that, um, that common sense is a superpower. So if you have common sense, then you actually have a superpower. But logic says that if God created the heavens and the earth, he exists outside of the heavens and the earth to be the creator of the heavens and the earth. Okay? You're going to have to have your thinking cap on because we're diving deep this morning. I hope you've had plenty of coffee. Therefore, rather than being a part of creation, God is above and outside of his creation. Now specifically, Elohim, the strong creator God, is transcendent. He's distinct from his creation, as you can see on the screen, from three key components of creation. Time, space, and matter. These elements are here on the, on the stage this morning to kind of help you think about these three different ways that God is transcendent. He is distinct from time. He's distinct from, the, from space and the heavens and the earth. He's distinct from matter. Let's talk about time for a moment. Elohim is responsible for time because he says, in the beginning, which means that he was there from the very beginning. If he created and his creation brought about the beginning, then he sits outside of time. Do you see that? So there's time as we know it, but God sits outside the box and restraints of time. See, when we talk about time, we talk about time literally. Right now, it's 9.52. The next only hour is 10 and then 11. And your rest of your day, and especially as you get into the work week, will be dictated by what? Time. Today's the 27th of June. Yesterday was the 26th. Tomorrow's the 28th. Nothing can change that because we live in a world that's literally uh, directed and affected by what? By time. But not God. Scripture refers to God in the present tense. See, you and I have a yesterday. Lord willing, we'll have a tomorrow. But we have these because we are subject to to time. Your God and my God has no yesterday and He has no tomorrow because He sits outside of time. He's transcendent as Elohim. God doesn't own a watch, but He made the watch. He's not only transcendent, distinct from time, He's distinct from space. He's responsible for space So when you see this globe this morning, don't just think the the earth, but think all of space. We're told on day one that Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That means that He predated His creation. He came before everything that He's made, both the heavens and the earth. Before He created man, He had to create a location. Do you see that? And so... He had to create a space in which man would exist. And in order for God to create that space, He had to sit outside of it in order to create it. You and I only know and experience and think about the heavens and the earth. We can't comprehend anything beyond it because we exist in this space, but God is transcendent as Elohim. He sits outside of the space of heaven and and earth. God transcends not only time and space, but God also transcends matter. Matter is the substance of everything that we have. Matter refers to the physical components of the universe. Everything that's here on earth, every product you use, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, the house you live in, this church, the list goes on and on, is made up of matter. And listen, even though man is incredibly intelligent and inventive, Man has never created anything that God did not make first. And the things that man has invented have occurred because Elohim... The strong creator God, watch this, wired your brain and my brain and Einstein's brain and the inventor of everything you want to think of brain so that at some point they would tap into that and they would be able to invent a clock or a watch. But the only way they invented that is because a God put their brain in their skull and gave them ability to do it. But God is transcendent from all of that. Which means he exists in another dimension. He's not tethered to these things. I've got this ratchet strap here. And, and sometimes we think that God is like a ratchet strap. That he is somehow tethered to our definition of time and space and matter. But oh no guys, God is not tethered to any of this. God exists completely outside, above and beyond. He is transcendent and distinct from his creation. Which is precisely why we can't figure him out. Because we're not of his realm. So when you're sitting in life. And you're trying to figure out something. And you don't understand why something happened. Or why God did this. Or why God didn't do that the way that you would have rather he did it. Understand that God sits on a high. He sits outside of time, space, and matter. And he's got it all under control. And guess what? This is very simple. He's God and you're not. He's Elohim and you're not. Amen? So Elohim, number one, is transcendent. Secondly... We said Elohim created the heavens and the earth and He exists outside of it. But now I'm going to contradict myself. Elohim also fills the heavens and the earth and exists inside of time, space, and matter. Alright? Y'all, y'all, your brain's going to get brain cramped here in a minute, okay? Hang, hang there with me. Because here, here it is. God is... Omnipresent. That's the second thing I want you to see. Even though he's transcendent, God is also omnipresent. He's imminently everywhere. He's present at the same time in all places. Listen to what God says about himself in Jeremiah 23. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth? God is saying, I am Elohim. I am the strong creator God, and I'm everywhere at the same time. That's why right now at this moment... There are thousands of church services going on on the Sabbath all over the world. And God hears and is listening to prayers and messages and worship and and offerings that are offered before him. Why? Because he is omnipresent. And yes, he's transcendent outside of it. But don't you know and don't you feel the presence of God inside of time, space, and matter? Amen? This is how David said it. David said, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. No matter what season of life I'm in, God sees right where I am. David says there's no place to hide, there's no place to run, and that's a good thing. Amen? So, he sits outside of it, he's not tethered to it, but still, because God is spirit, and those, Jesus said, who worship him, worship him in spirit. And in truth, he sits outside of it while being a full occupant inside of all of it. Everybody do this. Okay, I, 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 I'm trying. You're, y'all are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Okay, I, I think, Hopefully this is getting in. This is deep, okay? This is deep, all right? You guys are going to get it. So Elohim created the heavens and the earth exist outside of it. He's transcendent. He fills the heavens and the earth existing in it. He's omnipresent. And here's the next thing we want to see. See, now, when we get to this and trying to figure out, okay, God is omnipresent, then what we try to do is we try to create a box that we can fit him inside of so we can understand. So we may think of him as an energy source or as an energy force. So we may lean in on something that we're familiar with and say, you know, God's kind of like Star Wars. May the force be with you. You know, may the force of God be with you. You know, and, and, and we think, okay, I can understand the force. I can understand, you know, what, what that communicates in the in the Star Wars movie. But but the name Elohim doesn't mean God is a force, this mystical thing that's just kind of floating out there, and I I I hope I get it, and I hope I hit the target, and I hope he sees where I'm, I'm at. Rather, his name is associated with some very personal attributes. That's the next thing I want you to see. Elohim is very personal. Now watch Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. It says, And God Elohim said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the first day. Look what we see. We see a personal God. We see that God said, He's talking. God saw, He's seeing. God separated, He's creating. God called, He's thinking, because thought precedes words, and He's acting. Now, we see in days one through five, as we're going along, God is personal in that he feels. Because at the end of the first five days, he said, that's good. But guess what he said at the end of the sixth day, after he created his masterpiece, you and me, he said, that's very good. Elohim is personal. This tells us that he has a very personal and engaging character. So while he's omnipresent, while he's other dimensional, he's also intensely personal. And guess what? We see this right here in Genesis chapter 3. You remember the story after Adam and Eve sinned. They're hiding because they realized that they were naked and they're hiding from God. And the scripture says that they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the cool of the day. So this tells us that God came down... To spend time with his creation. That he interacts with his creation. And that this transcendent God who exists outside of time and space interacts with not just time, matter, and space. But interacts with his people, his creation. As believers who live on this side of the cross. And... Live our lives on the fundamental truth that Jesus came from heaven to earth and became a man. And that is foundation to our faith. When we read John 1.14, we hear the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We see that Jesus, part of the Godhead, has a personal approach. He's a personal God. So I find it incredibly encouraging that from the very beginning... Don't miss this. Genesis 3. There's God in the garden walking with man. All throughout. The Old Testament, you get these tidbits where God shows up and he talks to Abraham and he talks to Elijah and he talks to these different ones. He's with the Hebrew boys in the fire. He's personal in those moments. But when the New Testament opens up, God takes on a body and John, and John 1.14 said, The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. You want to see how personal our God is? Look at Jesus. Amen? So God is. Elohim is transcendent, he's omnipresent, he's personal, but he's also a plural God. Elohim is plural. Now watch this. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let what us make mankind in our image, in our image. Our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So, so God created mankind. Now we've got a shift in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So scripture uses both plural, us, our, our, and singular pronouns, his, when referring to Elohim. Thus, God is a plural being, although he exists as one God. Okay, so you're going to try to unpack the Trinity this morning, Pastor. I mean, you're really making us think today, okay? Well, look at what John, let's go back to John chapter 1. So, Genesis 1 said, In the beginning, God... And John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was who, y'all? The Word was Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. There, John tells us that Jesus was sitting right there when God Spoke everything in existence. Co-creator. And then Genesis 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2, tells us that the Holy Spirit was involved. It says the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the waters. And what, y'all? The Spirit of God. There's a Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's like the, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters saying, Okay, Father, tell me what to do. Here we go. We're going to begin to make this amazing creation. In Matthew 29, verse 19, Jesus tells his disciples and us, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you've got singularity and plurality in one personal plural God named Elohim. Everybody need to rub your head anymore, Okay. Y'all with me? Boy, y'all are so quiet today. You're either listening real good or completely lost, okay? I'm just going to believe that you're listening real good, okay? There's a lot of different ways that you can describe the Trinity, okay? There's been all illustrations, but I heard an example this week that I never heard before that the Trinity is like a pretzel. A pretzel is composed of one interlocking piece of baked dough, yet it has three distinct holes the three holes are separate, yet they are also connected to each other in one pretzel. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, but they all share the dough of divine nature. The dough of deity. So Elohim is transcendent. He's omnipresent. He's personal. He's plural. Here's the next one I want you to see. Elohim is Creator. Now this almost seems redundant because we've said that Elohim means the strong creator God. But let's unpack a little bit of this this meaning of creator this morning. God identifies himself as Elohim the creator 35 times at the start of scripture. It's the only name he uses that the Hebrews used in scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. And perhaps God uses this name from the outset so often because he wants us to understand his creative power. The literal translation of Elohim is strong one. It has to do with God's sovereignty and authority. So when I think about God's creative power as creator, I realize he is strong and he is mighty. Hebrews 11 verse 3 said, by faith. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. How strong and mighty is Elohim, the strong creator God? He is so strong and mighty that the entire universe was formed at God's spoken command. He didn't even have to get up to do it. He just spoke and it happened. And not only did he speak and it happened, the writer of Hebrews said that he made it, he made everything that is from something out of nothing. He didn't use any raw material. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, Dr. Tony Evans said it like this. He said, what that means is that all the world... Is religious. Since God created everything. Listen. His fingerprints are on everything. That's the reason why people want to promote evolutionism. Rather than creationism. Is because they want to remove those fingerprints. It's not just about evolution versus creation. It's about not having to deal with his fingerprints. Because if you say there is no God who created anything, then I don't have to deal with that God. I don't have to deal with a God who speaks and a God who is there and a God who created me. If it all just happened, then it's it's no big deal. Evolution says nobody used nothing to create everything so we don't have to deal with a creator. But can I tell you today, you can't have a watch without a watchmaker. You can't have a design without a designer. You can't have a painting without a painter. It's elementary school logic. Anybody learn in elementary school cause and effect? If there is an effect, there has to be a cause. And for the person who said, well, it was just a big bang, I would agree. God spoke, and bang, it happened. Is that all right? Sounds like a bumper sticker, right? Some of y'all had that bumper sticker in the 80s. There was a man who was once having a conversation, a Christian man, with an atheist. And the atheist was saying to a man, I don't understand how you Christians have all these holidays and you, you celebrate all these days. You know, what, what do all these holidays mean? I, I don't have any holidays. And the Christian man looked at him and said, Yeah, man, you, you do have a holiday. Atheists actually have a holiday. He said, I don't have a holiday. He said, Yeah, you do. Your holiday is April 1st. April Fool's Day. Because Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Dr. Tony Evans said, To be godless means you have to be a fool or have gone to college first. I like that. I saw this pop up a few weeks ago on my Facebook page and I wanted to save it and show you this. This graphic that says, Atheist logic. This sandcastle came up By chance, after millions of years of erosion. (laughs) We're laughing because we're like, it's funny. It's humorous to think about that there could be a creation without a creator. But I want you to think about something. We live in a broken, sinful world, we live in a world where people do not want to admit their sin. See, if I, can, if I can remove the fingerprints of God on everything and there's not a creator, then I don't have to deal with my sin. I don't have to deal with anything in this world, in this word. Why do you think right now as our nation celebrates Pride Month and it's everywhere, like I've never seen it before, you can't turn on the Disney Channel without getting Pride Month. It's almost over, y'all. But it's really sad when you think about it. Because what you have in an LGBTQ plus world. And the other day on ESPN, I saw somebody who said those letters and added a few more. And I'm like, how many more letters can we add to this? It makes sense. Because what do we say? What do we call all that gender confusion? Of course we're confused. We've moved away from the original design an original designer. Are there people out there who are hurt and broken and need the love of Christ? Absolutely. They need us, and Lord help me to be more loving than I am frustrated over the whole thing. because it's somewhere in that in their story something happened that caused them to lean or look in that direction. But make no mistake, Genesis chapter 1 is very clear that God created man and woman and said, Get after it. Populate the world and make this thing happen. But when we get outside of the boundaries of God's word, then it's so easy for us to get our own thinking and our own logic in place. And Scripture even says, y'all, I've told you so many times before, there's an answer for everything in that book. Your Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see it. We just live in a culture and a time where there are so many people who more people are blinded than we've ever seen before. God help us as the church to be light, to be salt, and to love them as Jesus would. Love the sinner, not the sin. God, help us to be as Jesus was. Go and sin no more. Amen? So we've said Elohim is transcendent. He's omnipresent. He's personal. He's plural. He's creator. And here's the last one I want you to see is, Jack, you give me a little music here to, to bring this to a close. Elohim is restore. Now, if you didn't think your mind was blown, get ready. Some theologians believe that in Genesis 1, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 2, we have a very interesting thing that happens. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 1, 2, the earth was formless and without void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Those two words in verse 2, formless and empty, formless and void, are the Hebrew words, tohu wobohu, which means a waste or a garbage dump. Now, Scripture tells us in Isaiah that God created the heavens and the earth. He established it. He didn't create it as a waste place. So there are some theologians out there that believe that verse 2 actually speaks to what Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 tells us is the moment in time when God kicked Satan out of heaven. That in verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And between verse 1 and verse 2, Satan rebels. God kicks him and a third of the angels to the earth. And that is when the earth becomes formless and empty. Because garbage has been thrown on the earth in the form of Satan and the third of his angels. But watch what verse 3 says The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And in a place that was a garbage dump, according to the Hebrew translation of formless and void, there was light. God, the creator, is already in verse 2, the restorer. He's bringing order out of chaos. That's why you need to know the name Elohim. Because not only can he create something out of nothing, He can restore the things that the enemy comes into our lives and destroys. He can restore those lives and those minds of of people who are, the scripture says, have been given over to a reprobate mind. Your loved ones and your sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters and those who you know are away from God. They can come back to him because not only did he create them, he can restore what he wants to see happen in him. The kind of God who can create is the kind of God who can recreate. What did Paul say? He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Anybody in Christ today, Rick and Church of God. Oh, three people. Anybody in Christ today. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Elohim is such a strong God that not only does he create... But he recreates. Listen to what Jesus says in his conversation with Nicodemus. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are what? Born again. Born a second time. You were see, see. There's create and recreate. See, God created us, but because of Adam and Eve, we are born with a sin nature. But God recreates through the sacrifice, the life, death, and hallelujah, the resurrection of Jesus, so that you and I can be recreated and born again. And if God can do it in a universe, He can do it in your life. Oh, don't ever stop. Hey, just stop and think sometimes. When things get overwhelmed, you need to go back to one verse, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, a transcendent God created and spoke the heavens and the earth. And if He can do that in a word, what can He do in your life? What can He do in my life? Elohim is transcendent, omnipresent, personal, plural, creator, and restorer. So we're just scratching the surface today on this series. But I want to close with this thought. We named this series, Name Calling. Understanding who God is for you. I want you to look at that for a moment. That brand, you could say. We started with that today. The brand of this series. And think about name calling for a moment. Put that graphic up there, Jack. The main one for this series. See, we all know whose name to call depending upon what we need, right? You call on certain names depending upon the need. You call on mom or your wife's name when you need to know where a recently, pa- a recently laundered pair of clothes is or you want to ask what's for supper. You call on dad's name or your husband's name if you want to know where a specific tool is or something breaks or the trash needs to be taken out. You call on your kids' names when you can't find your phone charger and your phone and your iPod and all those things. Or dads, you call your kids' name when you want them to take the trash out. You call your boss's name when you need direction and clarity on a project or an assignment. You call your friend's name who has a Chevy or a Ford and you don't have one and you need to move so you can borrow their truck. You call your pastor's name when you need prayer or counseling or someone to marry or bury a family member. Naturally, we all know who to call on depending upon the need that arises. Here's what I want to leave you with today. This is what we're going to unpack for several weeks. God has a name for every situation we find ourselves in. And we won't even get to all of them. Over the next eight, nine weeks as we go through this series. God has a name for every situation you find yourself in. So today as Elohim, His name is El, the strong one. When I need strength outside of myself, I can call on Elohim, the strong and mighty creator God. As Elohim, I can call on the name of one who is transcendent who sits outside of time, space, and yet is omnipresent and in all places, at all times. You're never outside of the sights of God. You may say, Pastor, I've not felt God in a long time. Let me tell you what, God sees exactly where you are. Don't move. Keep calling. Keep praying. Keep listening. Keep coming to church. God sees you and knows you. And you can call on Elohim. As Elohim, I can call on the name of one who is intentionally a present and personal God. As Elohim, I can call on the name of a singular Godhead who exists plurally as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Elohim, I can call on the one who has the power to create something out of nothing, the strong creator God. And as Elohim, I can call on the name of one who is the restorer, one who puts broken things back together. I'm gonna we'll tell you today, Elohim is a name that you need to know. It's a name that you need to know how to call on. Because when you know the name Elohim, Elohim changes everything. It lets me know that in my corner, in my who's got my back back there with grace and mercy is a transcendent, omnipresent, personal, plural creator, restorer God, who speaks things into existence and restores things. That are broken. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together this morning as the worship team comes today and we get ready to close out. Name calling. Who are you going to call? I know what somebody's thinking Ghostbusters. People in the 80s, right? Today, just gave you the first one. Who are you going to call when you need strong, mighty God, Elohim? Who are you going to call when you need somebody to step into that situation and you feel alone and depressed and isolated, the omnipresent Elohim? Who are you going to call when you need somebody to create something out of nothing? God, I need a job. God, I need provision. There's nothing here, but I need something. I can call on Elohim. Who are you going to call when you pray over your kids and your family and relationships and your marriage? Elohim is a restorer. I can call on the name of Elohim. Amen? So here's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to transition to some, some live music and sing a song this morning that we all know. And as we sing this song this morning, and we begin to declare the praises of God in this place, I want us to listen and I want us to worship together. And as we do, whatever that situation that is before you today, that you need to call on the name of God. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How great is our God. Sing with me
1: how great come on, church. it's our God, and all oh, we'll see. How great, how great is our God. Say that again. How great is our God. How great. Our God see with me how great is our God oh you'll we'll see how great how great is our God let's say the name above all names.
0: Nobody looking around let's bow our heads this morning raise your hand this morning if you'd say pastor I need Elohim to to be the strong one in a situation and in my life today I need strength today will you raise your hand who needs strength today in a situation amen lots of hands up anybody today need Elohim to be present you need to sense him day after day after day anybody anybody need that today, that's what's on your heart today. Anybody need Elohim to move into a situation and create something out of nothing? Anybody got a situation like that? A something out of nothing? Anybody need something in your life for Elohim to restore today? Anybody need restoration today? Now, if you raised your hand or if you didn't and I miss yours and you need Elohim, I want you to lift up both hands right now and I want you to say to him exactly what it is God. Elohim, Call his name. Elohim. I can't pray it for you. Elohim. I need you to be restored today. I need you to be creator today. I need you to be strong today. I invite you to be omnipresent in my life. In my situation today. God. Elohim. We look to you this morning. And because you're omnipotent. Because you sit up high and look down low. You see us. You see every life. You see every hand. You know every heart. You know every burden. You know every need. And in the name of Jesus, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, will you move in this place right now? Will you move in this room right now in a mighty way? Will you move in this room right now and begin right now to minister to people? Will you right now bring strength? Will you right now remind people of your love and your grace and your power? Right now, will you begin to create? Create something out of nothing right now you begin to restore what the enemy has stolen in the name of Jesus we praise you and we thank you you are awesome you are mighty one more time sing it over your situation over your life how great is our
1: God Elohim see
0: combine the last message series and this message series okay can can we do that absolutely because God's word fits all together in week two of Psalm 23 we talked about that when we are in green pastures one of the things that the lamb and the sheep does is they chew their cud we said that when we're in the green pastures the word of God we think and meditate and contemplate on what God is and who He is and what He's done. So here's your homework this week. This week, every time the enemy brings something in your mind, in your spirit, anything that's discouraging, anything that's opposite of God's Word, I want to challenge you to stop and think about Elohim. I want you to get right there at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the heavens and the earth. The good thing about this message is if you didn't get all of it, you can go listen to it. Watch it again if you need to. But that's your homework, y'all. This week, meditate on the fact that our God is Elohim. We're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about Jehovah. So it only gets better, y'all. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back here Wednesday night. And we hope to see you here Friday night at 730. God bless you. Have a great day.